Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. We're going to continue in our series, The Spirit is Willing, But the Flesh is Weak. I would to God that you and I, like Job said in chapter 23 and verse 12, would have the attitude in our day-to-day walk. As Job said, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Food is necessary for nourishment of the body, but the word from his mouth is necessary for the nourishment of our soul, of our spirits. It is what keeps us. It is what keeps us in the right way. It keeps us from departing from his commandments. It keeps us from departing from his words. So we want to hear the words from his lips. And you know, food tastes better when it's seasoned. His word is better just like it is. Every now and then, God will allow some storytelling to make his word palatable to your taste. But the word, as he said to the prophet Ezekiel, is to be eaten. You eat the whole loaf. And he told the prophet, it'll be bitter in your mouth but it's sweet in your belly. Sometimes the word of God, and as the spirit works to convict us, that's part of the work of the spirit, is bitter. But don't spit out the bitter because if it gets in your belly, it's sweet. And when that sweetness hits your belly, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Too often people reject what appears to be bitter and they never experience the sweet. And so may it be for you and me, as it was for the prophet Ezekiel, even when it's bitter in our mouth, it is sweet in our belly. And so today we're going to go to the book of Galatians, the fifth chapter. And as we saw in Mark and in the Gospels, As Jesus said to the disciples, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Though that spirit led with a lowercase, a small s. This week, we're going to look at the work of the big S. When the small s is referenced in scripture, it's talking about the human spirit. And God said he won't always strive with the human spirit, but he sent his spirit, big S, the spirit of God that's come to work a work that makes it possible for us to live the way God created us to live. It's only possible through the work, the presence, and the power of the spirit. 
cannot be done alone because in our human humanity, the spirit and the flesh are always wrestling. The good news is the wrestle is with the big S. And so we always win if we walk in the spirit. But if I rely on my spirit, the small s, it's willing, but the flesh is weak and the flesh out-wrestles that spirit that leads with a small s. Let's go to our text. We're going to begin at verse 13, and we're going to break it down into chunks. Galatians 5 and 13 reads, For you, brethren, have not have been called to liberty. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. What Paul is saying is, you're free. You are free, but don't use your freedom or liberty as an occasion for your flesh. You know, when you are free, I can do whatever I want to do. I'm good because I'm free. But Paul is telling the church of Galatia, don't fall into that trap. Don't do it. Verse 14 says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Love, the power of love. The love of God constrains us to do good. With loving kindness, God has drawn us to him. He's drawn all of us to him with loving kindness. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The power of love is what God releases to bring his children, in some cases, back to him, and in other cases, closer to him. God always leads with love. And the people of God ought to lead with love. Even when we speak the truth, we speak it in love. And so everything God does, even when he chastens me, when he chastens you, he does it out of love. And so the freedom that the saints of Galitia were experiencing actually led them into bondage because they felt, because of their religious upbringing, that we need the kind of structure that tells us what to do and what not to do. And so they were going back to the law. And Paul said, have you begun in the spirit? And now are you made complete in the law? Don't go backwards. They didn't know how to handle their liberty. It's like a child who grows up in a home that is strict, a child that grows up in a home that has boundaries, strict, 
Strict sounds negative, but I don't mean it in a negative sense. I'm talking about boundaries. We all need boundaries. That's why God gave Adam and Eve boundaries in the garden. And when they crossed that boundary, it worked death. We all need boundaries so a child grows up in a home, a God-fearing home, and they have boundaries and they live with them for 17 years, 18 years, and then they go off to college. And they realize that there's no one there to keep them compliant with those boundaries and they have freedom. And sometimes the experimentation, the exploration gives occasion for them to go way beyond the boundaries and then they lose sight of where the boundaries are. This is what Paul was warning the church of Galatia against. Now I want you to know that the word of God is necessary for us to walk upright. We need it more than our necessary food. But God is good. And because of that, there's something in Proverbs 17 and 22 I wanna say in your hearing. Because I think sometimes we take ourselves too seriously and we end up not laughing enough, not having fun. People think church is boring. It's not born. There's no greater life. There's no greater love. There's no greater freedom. There's no, this is abundant life. And the, in the book of Proverbs, verse 17 and 22 says this, a merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. There should be no dry bones in the in the presence of God. But because spirits are broken, you notice a little s, when spirits are broken, it dries up the bone. There's no flow, there's no water that's flowing. And so without spiritual nourishment, our spirit, the small s spirit, dries up the bones and you end up with dry bones, but a merry heart does something totally different. It's like medicine to our flesh. It gives us that joy. It gives us an outlook that's different. So interact with people who make you laugh, people who have a good sense of humor, wholesome sense of humor. Because there are some people who are carnal-minded and their sense of humor you, if you don't recognize it for what it is, you just might be carnal. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. I, when I was growing up, before I was spiritually minded, I will confess, we were all carnal before we were spiritual. None of you came out of the womb spiritual. None of us did. We come out of the womb, David said, he was born in sin and in iniquity, he was shaped in his mother's womb. That's the experience of everyone who was born after Adam. And so I loved um, what you would call love songs. They just sound like, I loved Blue Magic. I loved Earth, Wind and Fire, they had good range. But there's one group my brother and I loved, there were two twins. And we really, really loved the sound of their voice. 
And I, there's a song that, that they made. They're called The Whispers. The Whispers. For those of you who are very young, Google them. And there's a song that they wrote, and it's called Living Together in Sin. Living Together in Sin. That's actually the title. I love that song. And the lyrics go something like this. They say we're living together in sin because we're not married. But both of us are grown. But both of us are grown. Liberty. We're, we're adults. We do what we want to do. And then it goes on to say, for you, I'll turn my back on family and friends. For you, I'll do it again and again. And that, and that was the run, and that was it. I, I would be singing that thing out of tune, but loving it. And when in my carnal mind, I honestly thought that that was love and that that was a commitment. You're willing to turn your back on family and friends. You're willing to walk away from everybody. You don't care what they say. I just want you. But in my spiritual mind, I, under, I discovered something, that that's actually rebellion. It's rebellion in the sense that they say that we're living together in sin. They say. It's God that said it. It's not they. I don't know who they are, but that's the word of God. And they rejected it because it was bitter to them because they liked what they're doing. And then, as I think about the other lyrics, I'll turn my back on family and friends. I thought that in my carnal mind was commitment. It's the opposite of commitment. If you're that committed, then why don't you marry her? Beyonce was right. If you like it, put a ring on it. I'm still spiritually minded. I'm just talking real. Can I be real with you? Can I be real for a moment? I want the scripture to come alive so that everybody understands it. But in my carnal mind, I thought it was love. I thought it was commitment. It was anything but. Anything but. Why do I tell that story? We know our state of mind and our frame by how we respond in the things around us, in our culture. There's some things that I used to laugh at and I used to perceive one way. Today, it's, it disgusts me because I, I see it for what it is because God has opened my eyes and God wants all of us to be able to see that wrestling that is inevitable in every one of us. I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care how long you've been walking with him. The spirit and the flesh are contrary and they wrestle. And there are Christians who are carnal-minded because you things that are habitual, bondage, the bondage that Paul was trying to get the saints at Galatia to be free from are developed through habits, you do something over and over, it becomes a part of you. When we are unaware and we cross boundaries that we shouldn't cross, and before you know it, we're so far out, we can't even find the line to get back. It's when our lifestyle 
takes on a certain way. And, the, and John the Beloved said, whoever is born of God cannot sin because his seed is in him. Now, does that mean that you are perfect, that you never do anything wrong? No, no, no. What it's saying is you can't abide in it. You can't live in it because you will respond to conviction and you will turn around and come back. You can't stay there. You might go visit some places that you ought not be in terms of activity and behavior and things that you do, but when the Spirit convicts you, is there anybody who can bear witness to what I'm saying? When the Spirit of God is in you and you are convicted, there is a, it's not the kind of spirit that makes the bones dry. It is the kind that causes you to run back to the lover of your soul and to say, Lord, I'm sorry. God, I don't mean to do these things, but I did. And you confess and you are restored. That restoration is what brings you back into liberty. And some things that the world called liberty is actually bondage. I know what they say, but we're grown. They're using their liberty as an occasion for the flesh. Free will is a two-edged sword. You get to do whatever you want to do. You get to choose. But you are free up until the point of choice. And whenever I make a choice or you make a choice, we are now captive to that choice. If it's a good choice, it's a good thing. If it's a bad choice, you have to live in it, live with it. You've heard the saying, you made your bed, lie in it. And there's some beds that are so uncomfortable, cause your back to hurt. It's just not good. It's not good for you. So you want to make certain that the bed you lie in is the bed that God has prepared. That will give you comfort. Okay, let's go a little further. Paul is giving them the antidote to real liberty. And it's not an event, it's not a one-time thing, it's a lifestyle. He said, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The flesh is always going to wrestle, it's always going to be there, but you won't fulfill it. If you walk in the Spirit, because the Spirit comes to convict, to reprove, and to lead and guide us into all truth. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. So you understand what Jesus is saying when he says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's a constant battle. And you never get to the place on this side of heaven where you overcome that. But if you walk in the spirit, we overcome because the spirit through Jesus Christ has given us the victory and we're more than conquerors. If we try to do it on our own, then the results are totally different if we rely only on ourselves because the seductiveness of the things of the flesh are such that it feels good. And when my mind was carnal, 
the lyrics of the song sounded to me, it sounded good because the voices were good. And it even felt good. And the words to me seemed good. And they were the opposite of what they are. The spirit and the flesh are contrary. And that's why in my mind, what registered was contrary to what registers today. Strongholds happen in our mind. It is in your mind. That's why the, the word says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. Where are the strongholds? Casting down imaginations and every high-minded thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The mind, the mind is where much of this works. If it happens in the mind, then why is the battle with the flesh and the spirit? Because the flesh informs the mind and the spirit informs the mind and the messages are totally different. The way they're perceived, the way they're understood and the way they govern our conduct. And that's why Paul says, that's why the Bible says, you must walk in the spirit. If you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh because there's one who's holy, who's saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. It's not about do's and don'ts. You have liberty, you've been called to liberty, but that liberty is not in you, it's in him. And that's how we remain free. Verse 18 says, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. If you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Paul's letting them know if you're not led by the Spirit, and you are religious, as these people were, then you are debtor to the law. That means you got to keep every part of the law. And if you could do that, Jesus died in vain. He didn't need to die if it was possible for me to keep the law. It's impossible to keep the law. There's probably, I don't know who knows all of the law. You might know the Ten Commandments, but there are 633 laws. I want you to tell me what they all are. You don't even know when you're out, out of bounds. We need the Spirit. We need the Spirit of God to show us because sometimes our intentions are good. We don't mean, we don't mean to do what we're doing, but we do it out of ignorance. But the Bible says in times past, God winked at ignorance. But in these last days, he's calling all of us to repentance. And that's what the Spirit of God does. The goodness of God leads us to repentance, so it's good. It's not to take away fun out of your life. Laughter is as medicine to the flesh. It's not to take away fun. That isn't God's objective. That isn't his mission. He wants us to have abundant life. He wants us to have better life, and because he created us, he knows best for us. Any piece of equipment that you buy comes with an owner's manual because the one who manufactured it knows everything about it. They can tell you how to fix it. They can tell you what to avoid. The Bible is our, is God's owner's manual to us to show us how we ought to function, how we ought to live, how we ought to walk, and what we need to do in order to operate properly at all times. Verse 19 says, now the works of the flesh are evident. 
That's interesting. Paul says they're evident. They're evident to a spiritual mind, but not to a carnal mind. You just heard my, my, song, my whisper song that I love, that I loved, not love. I don't want that on recording. I'm not saying I love it today, but I loved it. It sounds good, and I thought the lyrics were good. But if you Google living together in sin, it's a real song. That's the heading. It was, the, the lyrics are what I said they were. But it wasn't evident to me because my mind informed my flesh differently. A carnal mind and a spiritual mind are not the same. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is not scripture that's read very often in the church because it makes people feel like the lyrics in the whispers. I'm grown and I, I don't wanna be in bondage. The devil is a liar, this is the opposite of bondage. God is saying, if you are caught up in these things and this governs your lifestyle, you're headed the wrong way. And it doesn't say Drinking is a problem. It says drunkenness. It, it, nowhere in that text does it say drinking is a problem. But if you know you're the type of person who, who doesn't drink for the taste of it, because alcohol is an acquired taste. I guess some people like the way beer tastes, the way Hennessy tastes, but if you've tasted it, you, there's nobody who drank it the first time and said, I like this. I want to know who you are, because you're special. <laughs> or even wine. There are different types of wine. And someone who has wine uh, for dinner and it doesn't, or people, there, there are churches who take communion with real wine, but they don't do it to get drunk. And when they did that at Corinthian, at the church of Corinth, they were rebuked. And Paul says some of you are, are sick and some are asleep because of your behavior. Drunkenness causes us to lose our way. Our filters go off. You say stuff you wouldn't say. Your judgment is impaired. You do things that you wouldn't do. Your equilibrium is impaired. You stagger. Some you fall down and you can't get up. It is the kind of thing that changes your disposition. I've seen people one way, sweet as punch, and you get a few drinks in them, they're a totally different person. The words that come out of their mouth and the way 
they act. This is not a message about drunkenness, but I sense as somebody needs to hear this, is not, has nothing to do with your liberty. Your liberty. My father-in-law once, I mean, he was a recovering alcoholic and he went to a church service and they served communion and it was real wine. And he told me the story multiple times that he was angry. And he said, I struggled most of my life with alcoholism. God has cleaned me up. But they gave me real wine and they didn't tell me it was wine and when I tasted it, it triggered something. Now he didn't go back, he didn't have a relapse, but he felt betrayed because a person who's been an alcoholic, you know this, you don't want to have the taste of it. And it depends on the type of trigger, he could have fallen headlong back into it again. Now it wasn't wrong what the church did, he felt they should have let me know so that I could have made an informed choice. Because he knows he's not the kind of person who can drink responsibly. He's not the kind of person who did it for the taste of it. He did it for a buzz. And then when he got the buzz, he got drunk. The, that's what God is saying. Don't allow yourself to be caught into that trap because that's bondage. That is bondage. The writer of Proverbs says, wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging and whoever is caught thereof is not wise. So it doesn't mean that you can't be social, but don't make a habit of getting drunk. The morning after is never good. Why do you do that to yourself? You have to ask yourself, why in the world do I do this to myself? It's bondage. And this word is not to make anybody feel anything other than hearing the word of God and measuring our life against what God says and then let the spirit of God do the rest. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ and those who walk after the Spirit. There's no condemnation because Paul is not talking to folk in the world. He's talking to the church. This is the church at Galatia where the power of God was released and miracles were wrought. And that's why Paul said to them, I don't, I don't know who you are. If you read this book of Galatians, it's, it's only six chapters, but it's powerful. He's like, who has bewitched you? Who has beguiled you? How did you start out the way you started and now you're doing all this stuff? I gotta take you back to the rudimentary elements of the gospel so that you know how you ought to behave and how not to. Because I, I perceive that you've been beguiled, that somebody has come with a doctrine that's not good, bad food that doesn't agree with you, Going back to Job, our natural food. When it doesn't agree with you, you don't eat it. You stay away from it. Whether you're allergic to it or whether it doesn't agree with your stomach, you know I can't eat that, I stay away from it. I don't care how it looks, I don't care how it smells, it is bad for me. And doctrine is like that. That's why Jesus told his disciples, beware of the leaven the leaven of the, of the Pharisees. 
And someone had come into Galilee with a doctrine that was anything goes. And yes, the grace of God covers. The grace is all, God's grace is all sufficient. And where sin abounds, grace does abound much more. But shall we continue in sin that grace abound? God forbid. So Paul is giving the balance and he's given the solution. Here's what you do in order to stay out of bondage. And I want you to know that God wants his people to be free. He wants us to walk in liberty. He wants us to walk in everything that he has for us. But we can't do it if we're separated from him. His arm is not too short. His ears are not too heavy. He can deliver. But as the prophet Isaiah says, it's our sin that separates us from him. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It doesn't mean that you are a bad person. It just shows you that God is good and God is holy. And if you want a relationship with a holy God, it's got to be on his terms. We can't have the attitude of the whispers. I'm grown because that's rebellion. And rebellion as, is as the sin of witchcraft. Verse 22 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. I want to pause there just for a moment because God leads with love. The Spirit leads us with love. The first fruit is love because love covers a multitude of faults. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love never fails. Love doesn't think of itself, doesn't vaunt itself, doesn't seek her own. Love is the opposite of some of the tendencies of the flesh. Love is the anecdote. If we love one another, Everybody knows that we belong to God because God is love. And that's why the devil wants us divided. The devil wants us mad, mad at each other, mad at God, rebelling against God's word, rebelling against the church. Anytime he can find a rebel, he's satisfied. But God wants soldiers who are obedient, who don't think about their own lives, but the one who sends them to battle. And Jesus is our captain. He's the one who sends us to battle. The captain of the Lord is the Lord. The Lord is mighty in battle. Who is the Lord of hosts? He's mighty in battle. And I'm telling you that when you lead with love, you're in the spirit. I want to tell you a quick story. They don't know I'm going to tell it, and they're sitting in the room right now. But about two weeks ago, we were interacting with some of the luminaries at Chestnut Hill Hospital. And uh, the head of medicine, the head of nursing were there, and a few others. And I happened to be talking to the head of, head of nursing, and he told me that he had just met our COO, Sam Granham. And he said, you know, we have something in common. We both went to Westchester. I'm like, okay, good. I said, but did you know that he was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame at Westchester? No. I said, come on, let's go over. So I walked across the room. Sam was on the phone when he got off. We uh, started the conversation. And this gentleman said, I just found out that you were 
inducted into the Hall of Fame. Why didn't you tell me that? And Sam's response without hesitating was, I don't lead with that. What I saw in that moment was something that I always knew. I saw humility and grace. And we all laughed. We had a good laugh. But it says to me that Sam has an excellent upbringing because he doesn't lead with things that he's done because he knows what he's done doesn't define him. His accomplishments are accomplishments, but that's not Sam. He wanted to introduce this person to Sam. Even though they had that in common and it would have been okay for him to say it, that is what it's like when you lead with love. It is not about you. It's not about how important you are. It's not about what you've done. It's about the other person. And it's about you being authentic. The first fruit is love. And when you love, you get those that follow. Joy. It's hard to have joy when you are unlovable, when you are hateful. The Spirit of God, and you notice it's a big S, the Spirit of God comes to take all that away from us. Love, joy, peace. Who doesn't want peace in their life? Long suffering. You can go through some stuff. You can suffer long. It doesn't have to be a quick fix because you trust God. The Spirit of God works in you in such a way that you can go through the battle. You can go through the fire. You can go through the storm and continue to suffer long. That's a work, that's a fruit of the Spirit. Kindness, goodness. God knows we need more goodness in the world. And it comes through the people of God. The people of God are a bundle of goodness. And when we share that with each other and share it with the world, it makes the world better. Faithfulness. You can be relied upon. You can be counted upon. If you say it, it's good. Faithfulness is about dependability. It's about showing up when you say you're going to show up. It's about doing what you say. And then people see what you say is true because you do it. Your actions prove it. Let's go to verse 23. Gentleness, self-control, outburst of anger is the work of the flesh. Self-control is the work of the spirit. And you know, we live in an age against such there is no law. In other words, Paul is saying, this is where real liberty is. There's no law against this. He's like, the law is for the lawless. Even the laws of the land are not for people who are within the law. It's for those who are outside the law. That's the purpose of law. Law is not for the lawful. Law is for the lawless. And those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. In other words, Paul's saying, if you live in the Spirit, your lifestyle ought to reflect it. And now the things that are evident, that are evident to the spiritual mind are the things of the flesh. And when they pop up, the Spirit will remind you and you will turn away from it. 
you will not abide in it. The seed that is in you will not let you be planted in a place that yields the things of the flesh because the flesh leads us to sin and sin works death. The spirit is life and God is a living God. He wants us to have life and to have it more abundantly. So some things that feel bitter, it's sweet if you take it in and you let it get in your belly. Everything that God says to us is good. Everything that God did was good. As he created everything that you see from nothing, he looked at it and said, it is good. The only thing that is very good is you, who he created, and he wants to keep it that way. He knows the things that are destructive. He knows the things that are harmful to us. And it's as a parent, I've learned that the things that I want to protect my children from, the mistakes that I've made, the mistakes that I've seen in, in this life, and the, the effects of it, as I see them going down that path and they haven't experienced it, I'm disappointed when they don't heed my advice and they go in that direction. But it does not diminish my love at all. In fact, my love increases because I want to protect them. And so I want to say to you who might feel like you're on the wrong side of the ledger, that you're in the area that is to be avoided. I want you to know that God loves you. He loves you no less. In fact, his heart swells for you. It swells for you more. And he's saying, you can fix this if you come to me because I alone can fix it. I'm the fixer. There's nothing that he can't fix. All you have to do is cry out and say, fix it, Jesus, fix it. Like you said you would, he is ready, he is willing, and he is able. And I want you to know he loves you just as you are. It's not about do's and don'ts. It's not about the law. He's come to set us free. The enemy would have us believe out of carnality that this is punishment, that this is restrictive, that this is bondage, when the truth is the things that you feel are fun, depending on your definition of fun, are the things that are bondage. When the devil took Jesus up to tempt him on a high mountain, he said, I'll give you all of this. And to everyone that he comes after, he'll show you what you can have. He'll give you his definition of success. And a lot of it has to do with selfish ambition. I got mine, you get yours. That's a work of the flesh. But a spiritual-minded person is a giver and brings others along. You constantly think about, how can I bless someone? Because it's more blessed to give than to receive. You can both have a measure of material success, but the one who is free is the one who does it without of a spiritual mindset. There is no way that you can lose. There is no measure that causes you to fall short when we do it 
God's way. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But thanks be to God. Paul said it this way. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And before that, he said, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, I do. He says, so I see another law in my mind. And that's the law of sin and death. So sin wants to have me captive. And then he said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God that through Jesus Christ, he's made us more than conquerors. There's nothing in your life that you can't overcome. There's no situation that can't be undone if we bring it to him. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. And I pray today that the God of peace, the God of mercy, the God whose mercy endures forever will speak into your situation. No matter where you are, if you're close to him, he wants you to come closer. If you are far from him, he wants you to take a step towards him because if we draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. If you've been rebellious, he wants you to come to a place where you're ready to submit. Because the truth is, beloved, while we have choice and the ability to exercise our free will, we come to him now and we bow before him because we want to. But the day will come where you will have to bow because you have to. There will be no choice because every knee is going to bow to him. And that's why he wants the truth to be communicated. So people know the truth. The only thing that makes us free is the truth. You shall know the truth. And the truth will make you free. God forbid that your ears ever itch. If, your ear, if you have itching ears, don't scratch them. Hear what the Spirit is saying. Hear what the Spirit is saying because the Spirit's mission in the earth, one of the great missions of the Spirit is to lead and guide you and me into all truth. And every day as we walk in the Spirit, the light is brighter and brighter. The Bible says the steps are the righteous, of the righteous, shine brighter and brighter as unto the noonday. So every time you and I take a step, when we're in the spirit, our righteousness shines brighter and brighter. And it's not because of what we do or don't do, because our righteousness is in him. He has become our righteousness. God, make it plain for your people to know that our hope is in you, our trust is in you, and the things that are destructive, you want them out of our lives because you want the best for us. You have plans for us, you have a purpose. You want us to know why we're here and what our plans are. You are the God who before the foundation of the earth thought of me, thought of all of those who are listening. And you created us unto good works and you ordained it before the foundation of the world that we should walk in them. 
And God, when we walk in anything less than what you prepared, it breaks your heart. God, we don't want to break your heart. We want to make your heart glad. When we make your heart glad, it's like medicine to our flesh because we then yield the fruit. We lead with love and then joy follows and peace and goodness and patience and all those things that are good in life. You've prepared for us, but we've got to walk in them. You've given us free will so that we can make choices. You don't force us to do it. We're not robots. You went fearfully and marvelously made, but God, sometimes the culture leads us into bad choices. And when they become acceptable, our minds are carnal. We still do spiritual things just like the saints at Galidia did spiritual things, but they were carnally minded just like the church at Corinth. They had more spiritual gifts than any New Testament church, but they were carnal in their minds. God, help us. Renew us in the spirit of our minds. The spirit of our minds need renewal daily. And so, God, right now, we present our bodies unto you. We present them a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you. We offer you our reasonable service. God, from this day, we don't want to be conformed to this world, but transform your people by the renewing of our minds that we might prove, God, we want to be your proof in the earth. We want to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Your will is in the book. You've written out your last will and the last testament is the New Testament. God, we need to know our inheritance, what it is that you've given to us freely. You've given it to us freely. God, take away the deception. Help us to see it. Help us to sense it. Help us to know it. God, give us the grace to walk in the Spirit. God, we're sorry for fulfilling the lust of our flesh, but you even said that our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. And God, sometimes we're in circles where the pressure to fit in, the pressure to be a part. God, it's hard to be peculiar. We know what you said, that we're a peculiar people, but living a peculiar life is hard, God, in a world where there's a herd effect and where commonality is acceptable. God, help us to crucify our flesh daily, that we might be like your son, that we might know him in the fellowship of his suffering and the power of his resurrection. God, the things that you desire for us are not that popular. Not popular. But God, we're not here for popularity. This is not a popularity contest. This is about life and life eternal. So God, break through and break out. God, break through. Let there be a breakout that's stronger than any plague that ever hit the earth. Let it be your spirit 
Let the Spirit of God rule in the hearts of men and women. There's nothing like a regenerated man, a regenerated woman, because their minds are captive to you. Arrest us, God, in such a way that our minds are stayed on you. The only way that we are ever going to know perfect peace is if our mind is stayed on you. We've had enough imperfect peace that's interrupted by other things, things in life. But God, you want us to be long-suffering and endure because the one who endures till the end, that same one, shall be saved. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the love that you have shown us and continue to show us. In spite of who we are, in spite of where we are, in spite of what we've done, your love is unfailing. Your agape is unconditional. And God, because we sense your love, we love you. We love you because you first loved us. And your love constrains us to do good because we thus judge. If Jesus Christ died for all, then all were dead. And God, I was once a dead man. And you came and you saved me. And so I stand here, one, beseeching you that you would do that for those who don't even know that they're dead. That when our spirit is not connected to your spirit, we are dead because death is separation from you. May we never be separated from you again, God. We pray today in humble submission that you would do what only you can do. Save somebody. Somebody's heart is being touched. God, I pray that you would transform them. Let them know that they're all right. Just as they are, you love them. And that you have the power to change, to transform and to renew daily. May they know your love in a deeper way. God, there are others who've been in and out, in and out, in and out, and they're moving away from the boundaries. But God, I pray that you would show them like you showed the prophet Amos through his wife, Gomer, that you're married to the backslider. You're not a God who divorces us. No matter what we do, even when we play the harlot, you still love us. You chase after us, the one you've been chasing. I pray that they're ready to give up, ready to give in, to give up running from you, never to give up on themselves or on life but to give up running from you. And now their hands are raised for you. God, do your 
strange work. Work a work of salvation, a work of deliverance, a work of healing. We thank you. We all need you. There's none of us who don't need a savior. When we get to the point where we think we don't need a savior, we have become self-righteous. And there's no righteousness in ourselves. It's in you. We abandon ourselves for you. We give ourselves away to you only. And we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your protection every hour. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.